The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic partner and founding partner of the Olympic Channel, inspiring you to chase your dream. Olympic Channel podcast. I'm Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. And just look at the sheer delight and almost disbelief with which she received that gold medal. She calls herself the best in the world. She is a two-time Olympic champion boxer with an undefeated pro career. She has earned it because she produced some dazzling displays en route to Olympic gold. Clarissa Shields is from Flint, Michigan in the United States. Her childhood and growing up was tough. Clarissa is a survivor of sexual abuse and once wrote what she called a suicide letter. This podcast will contain references to both of those incidents. But Shields' warm nature, humour and confidence are at the front and centre of this episode too. The interview was recorded just before the coronavirus pandemic, so we don't talk about that. But Clarissa's story is one that will help people stay strong in a troubling time. Olympic Channel Podcast. She is a two-time Olympic champion, the undisputed, a three-time divisional world champion, fastest in history. Undefeated after 10 professional fights and counting. Easy work. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Ed? I'm good. Growing up, I think, should we start with the, the, the speech impediment? What was that like growing up with that speech impediment? Well, the speech impediment was I just thought too fast and I just tried to get out my words and really it would come out and, you know, I would be stuck on the word what and, uh, you know, Memorial Day and, uh, you know, just saying anything really. I didn't start talking until I was five and, you know, just saying words like uh, yes, no, uh, okay. You know, I really wasn't a big talker. And um, by the age of 11, I could speak in full sentences without, you know, stuttering, but I still had like a huge problem with certain words. And then I used to get so frustrated just, you know, trying to talk when I was when I was younger at five that I just didn't if I couldn't get out whatever I wanted to say, I just decided to be quiet. Like, you know what? Forget it. No, I'm just I'm just not going to talk. So they would ask me all the time, like, are you hungry? And I would want to say, yes, I'm hungry. But I just would shake my head and they would say, you know, are you, you know, do you want this or that? And I would just sometimes be like, no. But sometimes even those words wouldn't even come out. So if the answer was yes and I was trying to say it and it wouldn't come out because they are like, talk, speak. And I was more just like, I would just start crying. And that's something people don't know about me. Like, I'm a big crybaby. People don't know that, though. Like, they see, like, me in the ring, boxing, kicking. I don't know, but I guess. <laughs> and um, everybody's like, man, she's so hardcore. But really... I'm super uh, nice and very um, emotional. It's not my fault. I'm a Pisces. And, you know, I'm super emotional, but everybody think I'm just, like, mean and stuff. Like, I'm I'm firm, and I'm, like, you know, um, I'm about respect, but I'm also, too, um, super nice and loving and really um, value friendships. Because there was a big life-changing moment growing up when it was coming in, moving with your, with your grandmother, uh, I think that was the moment that a lot of things changed for you. Could you just explain why that came about and and why that was such a life-changing moment? Well, I had moved with my grandmother because I had endured uh, sexual abuse. Um, and I had been, been raped by one of my mom's friends. 
at the age of five, and that's before I could really talk. So, uh, you know, um, I was afraid of the man, and um, I just was like I didn't want to endure what was what was happening to me anymore. And I told my aunts and my mom and my you know my grandmother about it. And um, the man was starting to harm me. So my grandmother told me I, that I would be living with her for a while. I lived with her for almost four or five years. Um, didn't move back with my mom until I was about 11, around the time I start boxing. But um, just throughout that time, my grandmother just, you know, taught me how to talk, taught me my ABCs and sign language because I could not talk. I mean, like, I know my ABCs and sign language. And that's because of my grandmother. <laughs> and I know, you know, uh, mother, father, you know, a few words. Um, what was it? Sorry. You know, like, my grandmother taught me so much. Um, You know, she just tried to really just make sure that we understood each other. And um, she just was a great poet. She was a singer. Um, she was way meaner than what I am. She had this thing where on Thanksgiving... Because I was still my grandmother for so many years, so she trusted me, right? And uh, she only allowed me to go in the kitchen and prepare the plates for my sisters, my brothers, and even my mom. She wouldn't let nobody else go in her kitchen except me. And if anybody went in the kitchen, she'd tell me to go in there and watch them. <laughs> so my grandmother was like, we do not trust everybody, you know. She may put something in a fool, you know. Mom, like, like, like my grandma was always just like keep your eye on them. And my nickname was Coco, so it was always, you know, Coco, keep your eye on them. <laughs> One day, Clarissa was in the car talking with her dad. That normal, everyday conversation led to Clarissa finding her calling. Me and my dad was riding around one day and he was just venting to me about his life about how like you know he's gotten out of prison for the second time now and he's trying to get his life together but he can't because he's still being treated like a criminal he can't get a job certain places he can't go in certain areas he like is really hard and he was like um if i would have stuck to what i was passionate about then i would have never have been in any of those situations i would have never went to prison and i was one of those kids who would ask what when why where i asked so many questions all the time and when he said that, I just was like, I really was like, so what were you passionate about? And he said, boxing. And I was like, boxing? Because I kind of looked at him like, you don't do no fighting, you know? <laughs> but um, my dad, he just went on his whole spiel about like, my dad was an underground street fighter. Nothing, I'm way levels above what he was, but my dad is known all around in, um, in prisons and Justin Flint, Indiana, Ohio, for being an underground street fighter. I mean, he fought in alleys, he fought in basements, he fought barns, and he fought for money, you know. And um, and, and my dad said he thought he was good enough that uh, if he would have really wanted to, you know, turn pro, he thought maybe he would have had a chance to fight against Sugar Ray Leonard because my dad was kind of small coming up. And I was like, box? I, it did, didn't even make sense to me because I, I never looked at my dad that way. Um. But then he said, you know, Muhammad Ali had the same problem. He had a lot of kids, sons, and everything, but only his daughter took after him, Layla. So I thought with my dad telling me this story, he wanted me to take after him like Layla took after her dad. And um, I asked, but I already knew a gym because I, I live with my grandmother who stayed down the street from the gym, a Burston Fieldhouse. 
And I had, was walking down there uh, one day and I seen one of my little, you know, um, elementary friends. And I ended up talking to the coach, asking him, you know, I wanted to train. And I trained for that day. I trained for actually two days before my dad even knew. And then um, the coach, uh, Jason Crutchfield, said, um, I like your fire. I like that you come down here. But um, in order to continue boxing, you have to have one of your parents sign you up. And I was like, my mom definitely not going to do it. So I'm going to ask my dad. My mom, my mom really never, <clears throat> she never said no to nothing. But also, too, she was a homebody, you know, and didn't really like to leave the house. So me having her come to the gym, she definitely been like, nah, I, I don't want to go down to the gym. So I'm like, I'm, I'm asking my dad. And I had um asked my dad if he would sign me up, and he said no. And I was like, why? And he was like, um, boxing is a man's sport, and you're too pretty to box. And I was like. Hold up now. The now 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 the too pretty is cool and everything, but it's not only men that box. Like my dad really didn't know me that well. I had been into a couple street fights um <laughs> at this time already. I had handled a couple girls and uh, my dad didn't know that side of me because one, I didn't talk a lot. Um I wasn't a bragger and you know, my dad seen me when he first got out, he seen me every day. But when I was in school and after school, my dad didn't see me. He seen me when he came, when, like when he used to come to visit. But I was literally getting into fights all the time. So I just was like, only men can box. Like I've been beating up plenty of boys. This is this is insane. So um, I got mad at my dad. Didn't talk to him for a couple of days. Then finally, um, he picked me up from school, took me to his house. We had an intervention. Him, his wife, her little four kids, they all voted on if I should box or not. He voted no. Everybody else voted yes. And boom, I was in the boxing. Well, I found out about the Olympics when I was 13. Um, it was like a paper. They would give us like a schedule of all the boxing matches that were that were in the area that year about, you know, Flint, Detroit, Kalamazoo, um, Benton uh, ben Harbor. They would give us like this paper. And at the bottom of the paper, it said also, um, you know, just a reminder, 2012 Olympics will have its first women. And it will be at weight classes 112, 132, and 165. At this time, I weighed 143. So I looked at my coach, and I was like, we going to the Olympics at 132? And he was like, no way. And I was like, huh? What you mean? And he just was like, you're going to go at 165. And I looked at him, I said, I'll never get that big. <laughs> That skinny 13-year-old dreaming about the Olympics eventually moved back in with her mum. Her new passion for boxing continued, but so did the problems at home. Moving back with my mom from moving back from living with my grandmother, um, I didn't just live with my mom. I lived with my mom probably about three years to about 14. And then I had um, just an angry kid and really didn't know how to deal with my emotions. And... Um, I had, I had my mom when she used to drink and stuff. She used to call me like really, really bad names, like, and um, it would offend me, and it would more of hurt my feelings. And I just um, one day, I guess I had wrote a suicide letter. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I was, you know, thinking about it, but I had wrote it, and my mom found it. My my little sister found it, gave it to my mom. My mom read it, and she just was like, you know, 
she was apologizing and stuff, but I just was like, I don't like living here. You know, I don't like you. <laughs> you know, I've always been outspoken and, and, and just blunt. And, you know, from growing, from going through the things that I went through when I was younger, from, you know, you know, being molested and being raped and then moving with my grandmother, I felt like, you know, my mom had kind of neglected me. I felt, and that's why I wasn't with her. Because I wanted to be with my sisters and my brothers, but I wasn't allowed to because of this guy who was straight into harming because I had told on him. And now that, you know, I'm a little older and I'm back with my mom and, you know, she didn't, I, I didn't really know her. She didn't really know me. And, you know, she just like, you know, calling me names and stuff when she drink. And I, I really was like, I didn't want to, you know, fight my mom or get into it with my mom. So um, I used to write to, you know, express how I felt. And I ended up writing that letter. And uh, my mom seen it and my aunt, showed my aunt, my aunt was like, you know what? She can come stay with me, my, my, my aunt Tammy. So I lived with my aunt Tammy for, you know, ages, you know. Uh, 14, 15, and then moved back with my mom until I was 16. And those two years were the two years where me and my sister kind of, my my younger sister, where we just didn't, um, we didn't really fit together no more. Like, you know, I had changed so much and had so many different influences. And when her only influence was, you know, uh, my mom dealing with her addiction of alcohol at the time. And... You know, just whoever she had around, and you know, me and my sister are different. But just when I when I did live there from the age eleven till fourteen, it was always like, always put my siblings first. You know, feed them first. If it was one pack of a ramen noodles, we would split it in four, split it in three, and um, I would always let them eat first. And uh, if they wanted to, it, I was always me sleeping on the floor. I would never tell my sister or my brother to get off the couch, or you know, I never did that. It was more like if we we all didn't fit, and I was getting bigger also, you know, so I'm like, I'll let y'all, you know, as long as y'all good. And I was more of a protector, you know. I used to, you know, we sleep in the living room, and I would sit with my with my back on the wall looking at the door, just making sure that if anybody come in that I'm able to protect my brothers and my sister. So always been like a protector and a leader of my family since a very young age and that's why I carry myself the way I do now and kind of like have that don't back down never scared of anybody attitude because where I'm from you can't be scared of people you know where you can't um, let somebody think that you're afraid of them because they'll really try something but I'm but I'm at a point in my life that I'm so strong and fast and just sharp in boxing that it got to a point that even in when during during that time, you know, I beat up a couple of my mom's, whatever she want to call them, boyfriends, her male friends. I beat up a couple of them to protect my siblings and also to protect her. So um, that's just how I am, and that's what I grew up around. So when people try to, you know, press me in person, you know, I'm always having an attitude of like, I'm really not scared of nobody, and I'm really. Um, you know, if you want to go to a certain level, I've already been to that level plenty of times, way before I got to the age of 24, for sure. So I, I've actually been through a lot in my life that I don't really speak about, you know, that I don't want people, I don't want them judging me as, you know, a black a ghetto girl. That's where I'm from. That's not who I am. But I literally have been through um, everything you can imagine. And I turned out to look like I haven't been through anything when I've endured a lot.
The Olympics in London in 2012 just looked like an inevitability. But during the World Championships in that year, she suffered a shock loss in the second round to England's Savannah Marshall. It put her whole Olympic dream in jeopardy. I didn't even think about not being able to go to the Olympics. Like that was never in my mind when I lost. It was more the fact that I lost. That's what really bothered me because I had, you know, felt I had trained so hard and I'm always on, always on top of my game. And then to see that I had just lost, it was just was like that more of hurt my feelings more than anything. I didn't even think about, nobody said, oh, you know, you didn't qualify for the Olympics. Like nobody never said that. Um, it never even came to thought. It was They were just like, well, you still have a chance because, you know, she's, um, you know, everybody in our region, in the American region, had lost. So the further our, our opponents go, the further we go. And, of course, Savannah Marshall won gold that year. So that, you know, put me up there and, you know, gave my ticket, you know, to the Olympics. But either or, I still had a wild card spot. So it was more of like, okay, you know, I'm still going. But it was more of like, how do you deal with your first loss and then come back, go straight into the Olympics? You don't have a, another another tournament, tuna fight. All you really have is training, sparring, training, sparring. And so how do you bounce back from that mentally? And for me, I just do what I always do, go harder. <laughs> Whatever my training regimen was before I fought Savannah Marshall, I doubled it, tripled it. Um, I hit the bag to my arms like they were going to fall off. I, you know, I just really pushed myself past my limits. And I really um, just changed my diet. I put on an extra few pounds because I was 158, 157 when I fought against her. I'm like, I want to be a little bigger. You know, just because she's taller, I want to be a little bigger to where I can kind of break her in half. And it was more of like everybody kept saying like, oh, you know, Clarissa can't beat tall fighters. She can't beat tall fighters. And that was the thing going into the Olympics. Cause I was a favorite to win the 2012 Worlds. I was the favorite. How? Because I had just beat the world, the three-time world champion, Mary Spencer, in a tournament before. But um, I was the favorite and I ended up losing. So now I'm in the Olympics and they're like, she's the favorite, but not really that much because, you know, Savannah Marshall beat her. And they were like, you know, she may not even get bronze at this tournament. I heard some commentators say that. I heard uh, people on the, on my on my team say it. And um, I just was kind of like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, and I already knew what was about to happen because I knew I had prepared so hard. You know, I had pushed myself. And I had really just eliminated all distractions. I had stopped talking to the guy I was talking to, even though he wasn't the problem. It's more of like I really want to focus on just boxing right now. You know, I can't focus on, you know, loving you and liking you. I'm trying to focus on, you know, my dream. So I had to cut it off with him. Um, I didn't talk to my family that much. I really just stopped talking in general. I'm more of just was like, I'm about to shock the world, and I can't wait to do it. And I wanted to shock the world fighting against Savannah Marshall in the um in the Olympics, it felt like the way the way that the story was turning out to be that maybe me and her would meet in the finals, but she underperformed, and um, I end up in the finals against the Russian, and then the semifinals against Kazakhstan, then against Kazakhstan. Then my first fight was against um, Anna Laurel from Sweden, who was I mean taller than Savannah Marshall. Six two, I believe. So 
I got to prove in my first fight in the Olympics that I can beat tall fighters. And that was one thing that I, that I was questioning about myself. Like, can I beat tall fighters? Because I had just lost to a girl that was six feet. I'm just like, you know, now I'm, I, the first draw I get, I get this girl, Anna Laurel from Sweden. <laughs> and I'm like, she's taller than, she's taller than Savannah. We're all going to see. We're going to see. <laughs> yeah, but I handle her well and, you know, continue my way to become a gold medalist. And she becomes the second youngest Olympic champion in boxing history. like I was internally happy. I didn't have millions of dollars. I didn't have, you know, the the nicest clothes, the nicest shoes, but I was an Olympic champion. I was the best boxer in the entire world. And the only one in America to do it. 2012. It was like man man or woman. Man or woman. The gold medalist was you. Clarissa Shields. And I, I was I was lifted because it was like I knew everybody who had doubted me from the commentators to the people on my team. You know, I knew who had doubted me. I knew who didn't believe in me. But I also knew that it wasn't even about them. It's about what I already knew and what I was destined for. And I just accepted my destiny and I just took it over. You know, I, I did what I, I fought with my hands down, head movement. Showing them, you know, showing them some of that Muhammad Ali action. And I just felt so complete, you know. And that's why I was kind of going crazy, going crazy on a podium when I was 17, holding this gold medal just with the one braid, not braided in my hair. Just, you know, like, I don't care about what none of y'all think. <laughs> I'm Olympic champion, you know. So I was, listen, I was, I was happy and self-satisfied. I really care. It's not about anybody else satisfactory. I was self-satisfied. The smile of Clarissa Shields during the rendition of the Star Spangled Banner was absolutely irrepressible. The emotion she felt was real, but the money didn't flood in. At first, she was frustrated about this. But eventually, she found peace with it. We not knowing, me and my first coach, Jason, not knowing that in order to get endorsements and sponsorships, you have to start way before mm. you get to the Olympics. And you got to have a brand and you have to have, you know, just have like a whole platform of things. And we kind of learned on a job leading up to 2016. And that's why I had so much more leading up to them. But I had learned so much. And, you know, we had went through an agent who was trash, who tried to get me out of 40% out of everything that I got, even a gift. You can give me a $100,000 car. Not like, not no money, but give me a car worth $100,000 and you want 40% of 100000 of a gift that I got. So we signed this stupid contract, just end up, you know, having to get out of it. And just, you know, having to take step backs and relearn everything again. And I, I had questioned a couple of times, like, what is it about me that I can't get endorsements and sponsorships, but these other girls can? And I wasn't one of those girls who was weak-minded to be like, oh, she's prettier, she's nicer. It wasn't even that. It was more of just like, 
I was looking more of at, you know, um, how they were portrayed. And really, you know, I'm from Flint, Michigan. I speak my mind. I'm very bold. And I'm in a male-dominated sport. And it was like I kind of came to terms that, you know what, it's really not me. I'm not the problem. The problem is that the world has not has not yet accepted that women are in the Olympics, that women have a voice, that women are actually strong, and that women can be outspoken. They haven't, you know, it was like I was making a new blueprint, and it was like no no businesses or endorsers were liking that blueprint. They want the black girl that's strong, but they also want her to be soft-spoken and not so strong to where she intimidates a man. And I definitely intimidate, you know, some men now and then, even though I'm way more laid back and nicer and prettier than I was then. But it's just like they just didn't want that. So I can't turn that, you know, it just wasn't my time. And I just couldn't be hard on myself. Or, or hard on anybody else on why I didn't have the million-dollar endorsement or the million-dollar offer to turn pro. I really couldn't even be hard on myself no more. I kind of did that for a few months. And then after that, I just was like, you know what? It's cool. It's not my time. I'm not starving for money. I had a bed now. I got my mom some furniture. We had a better living situation. I had shoes, clothes. I was popular in school. And I was still winning boxing tournaments. So I kind of just went back to what I always do. You know, school, boxing, having fun. Clarissa was already an incredible boxer, but she wasn't satisfied with just that. Four years later at Rio 2016, she had progressed. She was better, much better. better stronger faster <laughs> taller and I think that um I was just so hard on myself you know people talk about how I won the Olympics in 2016 but I also won a 2014 world championships and the 2016 world championships right before the Olympics two time two time world champion in amateurs you know how hard that is to do back to back and then go straight into the Olympics and when again I hadn't lost from the time I was 26 and one to the time I finished the amateurs and I was 77 and one. It's 50 fights, 50 something fights. I went undefeated. And did it take some hard work? Yes. But I was just so hard on myself. Like to see a performance, I, I, I will record all my fights. I have every fight somewhere in my phone, somewhere, somewhere. And I watched it. I didn't watch it for the pleasure of like, oh, look what I did. I'm looking for the mistakes. I'm eliminating them. I don't care if I went and knocked the girl out first round. I'm going to look at it and say, that right hand was too wide. But you came back with a strong hook, but the right hand was way too wide. I'm looking at what's my chin in the air. I'm looking at how was my balance. I'm looking at, you know, how was my combination placement. And I'm literally fixing every mistake Leading up to 2016. So when I got there, I knew. <laughs> these girls these girls are not beating me. I'm telling you. We just, and then at that, I made sure that I ate right and that I, you know, I was in the best shape of my life. Cardio. I was living in Colorado Springs. I knew it. Like, 
none of these girls gonna beat me. If a girl can beat me, I bow down to her and kiss her feet. It's not. It's not happening. It's just not happening. I'm telling you. Save the job, all right? Save the job. Stay moving. It didn't happen. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. And uh, you've got another gold medal to go with your old one, yes. Olympic one. I like how how was that moment? It was the moment where I just let the world know, like, you may have ignored me the first time because they were like, oh, what's the first? And she may have got lucky and won the first gold medal. Okay. But you don't get lucky and win too. I'm sorry. Like with Deontay Wilder, look. People can get a few big knockouts in their career, for sure. But you don't get 39 big knockouts. <laughs> you know, it's just, you're just gifted at what you do. So for me to go to Olympics and have my two Olympic medals, I have put one in my pocket. And I had one, of course, put around my neck. And I took the other one out of my pocket to let everybody know, <laughs> I've been doing this. <laughs> ain't nothing new to me. I'm, I've been a champion. So if they forgot, because you have to remember that the Olympics is shown every four years. So every so between 2012 and through 2016, some of my fans hadn't even heard of me or known what I was doing. Some may have, you know, followed me on social media, but what if they didn't? What if they're just somebody who watches TV? They're clicking through the TV like I'm looking for a Clarissa Shields fights and I hadn't, you know, basically to them, I had, hadn't been doing nothing for four years. So now that I've come back, I just came back with the prior gold medal to remind them, yes, it's me. Just in case you guys thinking like, maybe that's the girl from America that won last time. If you forgot, because I've gotten a little bit older and I have my hair different and I may talk a little different, but no, it's me. Two. <laughs> Shields powered her way to another gold medal by unanimous decision. And Clarissa Shields brought along her gold from London 2012 to go with her new one. Clarissa turned pro and just as she was organizing her third professional fight, she received a call. Her fight was going to be on American TV network Showtime as the main event. Now this is big news. It means money. And it also means that America was taking women's boxing seriously. You know, I thought it was like a joke. So serious. Like when they said, hey, you know, it was my third professional fight and they're like, do you, we want you to be the main event on Showtime. And my manager called me. I was like, ha ha, joke's on you, but what's what's the call about? What's up? <laughs> He's like, no, seriously, Showtime wants to have you be the main event on Showtime Premium Cable near your hometown, Detroit, at the MGM Grand. And I just was like, okay. He like, why aren't you excited? I'm like, I believe it when I see it. Basically, I thought like within the first two weeks before the fight, they were they will call back and say, hey, we changed our mind. We want you to be the TV opener or the co-main event or maybe just the fight before the TV come on. Whatever. I just was like, whatever they were going to change their mind to, I was prepared because women hadn't fought in TV in so many years. I'm just like, there's no way that this is real. Can't be. I thought, I knew I would fight on TV one day, 
but I didn't know it would come so soon. So when they told me this, I was like, wow. We we at the weigh-ins and I'm and it's a big old poster of me and my opponent and I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to fight the main event on show. I'm I'm telling everybody, watch me on Showtime, <laughs> watch me on Showtime, <laughs> main event in three fights. Name another name another pro boxer who done that. Lomachenko, I already named him for you. That's it. <laughs> I love music, Clarissa loves music, so we made a little playlist together and then we decided to goggle some of the songs. Yep, yep, goggle with water. I went first. I already know which one I'm going to do because I've been practicing. So I'm going to go, going to go for it here. Listen, listen. one together and we'll sing the show out i don't know should we do uh i have the tiger is that is that too cheesy what do you reckon is that Chills, thank you very much. Wow, that Olympic was champ. Funny. <laughs> now I am the gargling singing champ, also. Chin chin. Easy. Olympic Channel Podcast. <laughs> I can't believe we did that, to be honest. And also, I feel very embarrassed to admit that it wasn't Eye of the Tiger, was it? It was actually the Rocky theme. Thank you to Alessandro Poggi for spotting that error. Nightmare. Anyway, big thanks to Claressa. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram as Claressa Shields. I'm at Eddie Knowles with an I and an E, and you can follow Olympic Channel across all social platforms too. We had another incredible boxer on the podcast just before the lockdown started, the undefeated British world champion, Nicola Adams. Here's a clip. The winner, by unanimous decision, the The reason was I wanted to, I'd never had, after, after 2012, I'd never had um, 
world world championships gold medal. I'd had three silvers, so I wanted the gold. So I wanted to um, stay amateur to get that, as well as become um, the first female boxer to win the Commonwealth Games. And then I was like, well, you know what? I've come this far. Why don't I just get the the double just Olympic go one as well? On my way, yeah. <laughs> Olympic Channel podcast. Go and check that one out if you haven't already. The best place to get any info about the podcast is olympicchannel.com forward slash podcast. We have a fancy new page. Go and have a look. Send us a screenshot. We would love it. That's it for now, though. See you very, very soon. Think like an Olympian.